Hello again, uh, this is Richard Spangler with Lions Voice Ministries, and we have been talking about over the past several months my teaching on the Covenants and the Fire, uh, the book available on Amazon.com. Uh, that's Covenants and Fire, and we're coming up to the to the next covenant, the next renewal of covenant is with Elijah at Mount Carmel, uh, where the fire of God is manifested, as everyone pretty much knows this story. But there's some points I want to bring out in 1 Kings chapter 16 and 17. There are events leading up to Mount Carmel in chapter 18. Chapter 16 opens with a great turmoil in the northern kingdom of Israel. The kings and their families have continually been overturned, overthrown, and wiped out. But instead of repenting and turning to God, the next king did more, even, even more evil and led the nation deeper and deeper into sin. In verses 29 through 33 of chapter 18, we see King Ahab's rise after his father, King Omri. Ahab continues the sins of his fathers. Ahab takes the evil to the next level. He marries Jezebel, a daughter of Ithabal, king of the Sionists, and he serves and worships Baal. Ahab builds a temple to Baal and sets, it up in a, sets up an altar to worship Baal. Then Ahab makes an asteroid pole. I mean, all of these things God has told them not to do, and he's doing. Ahab has, arouses the anger of God, and in verse 33 states to Ahab, he, he did more to arouse the anger of God, the God of Israel, that did, did, than he did, did all the kings before him. This sets the stage for, as we move into 1 Kings 17.1, when Elijah said to Ahab, As the Lord lives, the Lord, the God of Israel lives, whom I serve, there will neither be dew nor rain for the next few years, except at my word. Now that's powerful. Here's, here's Elijah standing to the king and saying, Because you have done these things, there's not going to be any rain. There's not even going to be any dew for the next several years, even at my word. And he leaves the king. Uh, you know, the king could have killed him right there, but he didn't. The rest of chapter 17 is devoted to God's provision and protection of Elijah during the three years of drought and famine. That includes him being fed by the by the by the widow woman, the the, the brook. Uh, all those things are included in it, and all those things are miraculous. But I want to stay on point with things. Uh, and during this time of three years, it, Jezebel sought to kill all the prophets of the Lord. And I know now, I, there's no doubt that Elijah was number one on, him, on her hit list. The Lord used Obadiah to protect and provide for 300 prophets of the Lord. The Lord himself provided for and protected Elijah. I think I like it either way. There's a whole nother teaching here about God's provision and protection during times of trouble. And we will look at this another time, especially since we seem to be headed into times of trouble uh, at this time of this recording. In 1 Kings 18, verses 16 through 19, is the confrontation between Ahab and Elijah. Ahab comes along, has been told where Elijah is, and he goes out to meet him. And Ahab accuses Elijah of being one that caused the trouble, all the troubles in Israel. It's always amazing to me that the one who causes trouble by committing and leading the nation into sin accuses the man of God of causing the trouble. It's the same way today. People accuse the church, the believers, of causing all the troubles we have today. And they truly are calling 
good evil and evil good. But Elijah doesn't back down. He tells Ahab, I'm not the one that's called through trouble. You and your family. And King Ahab, again, could have killed Elijah right there, but he doesn't. I believe he was definitely afraid of Elijah and the power of God in him, even though he wouldn't admit it. Then King Ahab agrees to the proposal of Elijah. The, uh, he says, gather all the prophets, meet on Mount Carmel, and we'll have a showdown. And this is the confrontation I like to call the showdown at Mount Carmel. There are 450 prophets of Baal, 400 prophets, prophets of Astaroth, and one prophet of God. Elijah addresses the people. He does not address the king. If you notice here in the scripture, he does not talk to the king. He talks to the people. And we need this. We need. We know the story. The people are torn between two things: declaring Baal is God, or declaring the Lord God is God. Now they're trying. They're they're torn because it's not politically correct to say that the Lord God is God. The king is worshiping Baal and other gods, and it's and Jezebel's been out hunting down prophets and killing prophets. So here the people are torn, and they're not saying anything. Much as today, a majority of people don't say anything. But then Elijah issues a challenge and says, The God who answers by fire, he is God. And the people say, Okay, that's a good one. That's good. And he, he allows the prophets of Baal and Esterah to go first, and they spend six hours calling on Baal to answer by fire. I mean, they beat themselves, they whip themselves, they cut themselves, they cry out, they jump up and down, they do all these things and nothing. Then Elijah rebuilds the altar. He places 12 stones, and remember, 12 tribes. This just wasn't for the northern kingdom, this rededication, this that what's going to take place. This was for the entire nation of Israel, northern and southern kingdoms. The 12 stones for the 12 tribes of Israel. So it includes all of Israel. And leave no doubt, Elijah's, and then, then to leave no doubt, Elijah orders 12 large pitchers of water poured over to the sacrifice and the altar. Another amazing thing is, this is a time of drought. They had to go and find 12 large pitchers of water and bring them to, up the mountain to do the sacrifice and to soak the altar. And Elijah prays, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, let it be known today that you are God in Israel, and I'm your servant, and I've done all these things as you command. And he says, answer me so that the people will know that you are Lord and return their hearts back to you. Again, here we have a call for a renewing of covenant with God. And God is faithful. The fire of God, the Lord God falls, the fire of God falls. And burns up the sacrifice, the wood, the stones, the soil, and lacks up the water in the trench. And when the people saw this, they fell prostrate and cried, The Lord, He is God. The Lord, He is God. The fire of God and the people's decoration is a reconfirmation of the national covenant that was brought about at Mount Sinai and at the temple. God is true to promises and the rain comes and the land is restored. It's not only when a covenant is made, it's when a confirmation is covenant, a confirmation of covenant happens, there's a fire of God that comes. We see this in the dedication of the temple. We see this at Mount Sinai. We see a reconfirmation of the covenant here with Mount, at Mount Carmel each time. 
There are other mentions of the fire guy in places most notable is when they sit and talk and behold the chariot of fire and Elijah goes up to heaven in a whirlwind. They're speaking of in Isaiah 6 when he had the vision of the temple and the live coal being taken from the tongs and placed upon his lips and uh, being cleansed to serve God. Above and uh, Ezekiel talks about seeing the sapphire and the fire of God like molten fire. Uh, from this appearance, we see all of these things and many more pointing to the time of the next covenant. Now, we've had six covenants up to this point. We've had the personal covenants with Abraham, Moses, and Gideon. All three had experiences with the fire of God. We have, and they brought about change for the nation and for a people group. And then we have the covenant with the nation made at Mount Sinai, the recommitment to the covenant by the nation and God at the temple dedication. And now here at Mount Carmel, a recommitment to the rededication to the Lord. You can call it a rededication, uh, repentance, whatever you want to say. But there's, there, there are three so distinct covenants personal and three distinct covenants for the nation three covenant times for the nation it's amazing that it's three and three you know god deals in the numbers are there father son holy spirit what do you want to say it's there leading up to the seventh covenant which we will talk about next in our next our next session probably in the next several sessions we'll be talking about the covenant of jesus christ because that covenant was not only a covenant for a nation and for a person. It was a combination of both. Individual covenant and a covenant for nations. For the whole earth. It's a combination and culmination of these six covenants into one covenant. That's an eternal covenant. So we have seen that all through the ages, God presented himself with covenants with, with fire. It's not only the fire, uh, the fire of God is not only his power and his presence, it's also a manifestation of his passion, his love. He loved Abraham. He loved Moses. He loved Elijah. He loves, every, he loves the entire world. He loves all of us. He loved the nation of Israel because it came out of Abraham. He established a covenant with the entire nation that if they did what was right, they would be a nation of priests unto all the earth that's a powerful powerful covenant and then again we have we have it going forward to the to the dedication of the temple here we have god showing up and manifesting himself glorify bringing glory to establish reestablishing the covenant with israel smoke the shekinah glory and the fire all manifested during the time of the temple dedication so God showed himself that this was what he was going to do. And he says to the people, if you, I agree, I will answer your king's prayer. That if you do, if you do evil and you turn away, but you come back to me and repent, I will forgive your sins and I will heal your land. He also calls the nation at this point, as we saw in the prayer of Solomon, to, go, to, to allow the foreigner to come in and to pray at the temple and watch God move on them. It was a call to be 
to be true priests, to go out and tell people about the God of Israel, and for them to come and to, to see the God of Israel work. That calls the same for us today. We are to go forth into the world as kings and priests, as it says in Second Peter, to, to go and sh- tell people about God and to manifest the works of God. It's the same calling. It's the same calling for the nation from uh, at Mount, Mount Sinai to the temple to, to today. We are called to be a people. So we have these beautiful, wonderful covenants. The covenant with personal covenants with Abraham, with, with Moses, and with Gideon. Each one, each man was not perfect. Each man had his own problems, his own issues that he did not do. He did not in their lives. They did not do right. At some point along the way, they continued to do things that weren't right. But God forgave them. Let them be what He called. He caused them to come, become what He called them to be. He helped them mature as Moses matured. He stepped into the authority of a, of a true leader. Abraham was called the father of faith, even though he did things that today we'd look at and go, this man has lost it. He's gone nuts. And then we have Gideon, a man who says, I I can't do this. I'm the lowest of the low. I'm the lowest one of my tribe. My tribe's the lowest of the family, and I'm the lowest of my family. And God says, rise up, O mighty man of valor. So what is God saying to you? We have a covenant. God is calling you to rise up and to be the man and woman of God that he's called you to be. It doesn't matter if you if you don't have a pedigree of doctoral degrees and uh, and all the, the theological discussions and degrees. It's, it's you and God. And when it's you and God, that's enough. That's powerful. When you make covenant with God and say, God, I'm going to serve you and do what you called me to do. God goes with you. He went with everyone on these on a personal level and on a national level. He said to the nation, if you do this, I will do this. If you do this, I will do this. I will bless you. I will cause you to prosper. I will protect you. It's amazing how much God gives to the nations, the nation of Israel, even when they were doing wrong, up until a point where it had to come to an, it had to come to an end because the nation had gone so far. And we will be talking again next time about the covenant of Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit and the fire that comes with it. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you. We thank you for these covenants that you point to, they point to you and they point to your love for us. Lord God, bless everyone who's listening to this recording. Bless them, Lord. Let them realize that they are a covenant people. They are called forth by you and that your calling is sure and that you will bless them and you will keep them In Jesus' name, amen. Until next time, God bless.